Our scripture reading for this morning comes from the Gospel of John, chapter 6, verses 24 through 35. Hear these words of scripture. Once the crowd realized that neither Jesus nor his disciples were there, they got into the boats and they went to Capernaum in search of Jesus. When they found him on the other side of the lake, they asked him, Rabbi, when did you get here? Jesus answered, very truly, I tell you, you are looking for me, not because you saw the signs I performed, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. Do not work for the food that spoils, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For on him God the Father has placed his seal of approval. Then they asked him, what must we do to do the works God requires? And Jesus answered, the work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. So they asked him, what sign then will you give that we may see it and believe you? What will you do? Our ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus said to them, very truly, I tell you, it is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven, but it is my father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, always give us this bread. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. As I mentioned at the beginning of the service, our guest preacher, this morning is Reverend Ash Welch, who has many connections to this church, as he will share. And I want to share um, the bio that he gave us that's in your bulletin because it so perfectly illustrates Ash Welch. Ashwin K. Welch, Ash, is truly a jack of all trades, yet a master of none. Born in India of Methodist missionaries, he grew up with a foot in both India and the U.S., then studied in universities in Germany and the U.K. He calls himself a multi-ethnic singularity, for he is at home in many cultures, cities, and villages around the world. He's learned seven languages and forgotten three of them. Prior to answering God's call to ministry, he was a missionary psychologist a vocational evaluator for people with developmental disabilities, a mechanist, and a welder. For 29 years, he's been a full-time elder in the United Methodist Church, serving six rural, small-town, and suburban churches from 30 members up to 600 in four appointments. He's been married 43 years to Pastor Peg, which she's preached here a couple of times, and she has three grandchildren. He, he also does have three grandchildren. Ash has also mentored many pastors, including myself. He was the one that I went to. He was my pastor um, from 1996 to 2001, and he was the one I went to when I said, I think God is calling me to be a pastor. He was the one that I talked to. And he has been my papa ever since he was my pastor. He plays the harmonica at odd times and to wake you up from retreats. 
and he is active in all the walk to Emmaus flavors for, from teens through senior citizens. And as a weekly diversion, Ash is building a modern, fast, and efficient two-seat plane, which he hopes will be flying by this September. And the most unusual true fact about Papa Ash is that once he rode a tiger. So I want to welcome Reverend Ash Papa Welch. Good morning. Good morning. When I was in seminary, I had a colleague by the name of Clark Stein. Some of you probably know him. Clark was pastor here at a time. Clark, in our first appointments, I went to a village called Iberia, Ohio. Did anyone know where Iberia is? Very few of you might know. Never heard of Iberia. Let me just say that it's a little warmer than Liberia and a little hotter, uh, colder than Siberia. No, not quite. I got it the way, other way around. But um, it is in the heart of Ohio, a little bit north of Columbus, and it's on a highway called 309, the old Lincoln Highway. Iberia was where I had two small churches. 16 United Methodist Church was the 9 o'clock service, and 10.30 was the Iberia Church service. 16 was such a small church. It was surrounded by fields, cornfields, soybean fields, wheat fields. And all the people in that little church were farmers. But they were the heart of the earth. They really were. So connected and founded and rooted in earthly jobs and living. And they taught me to be grounded in the earth that God has given me. During that time, Clark was serving in Boardman United Methodist Church, which my wife and I then served after leaving Kanyat, where Heidi was. We served there for 12 years as co-pastors. And during my wife's time in seminary, right after me, she was colleagues with a friend named Karen Ohl. Some of you may remember who she was. So we've had this kind of funny connection with Brexville all these years, in addition to which we were connected through the Emmaus Walk, and we had some of our meetings here. Most recently, about three years ago, I served on a men's walk team, and we met here for our team meetings ahead of time. So I thank you for welcoming me. I heard a little hand clap there as I came up here. You might want to take that back when I'm done. I can assure you that over my 29 years in full-time United Methodist ministry and also in the years as a missionary interpreting the work we did in India in many churches in the U.S., I've learned to be very humble about preaching. I know that the words that we often say are lost and forgotten shortly after, but I hope that the stories that I tell will remain in your hearts a long time. Matthew's gospel says Jesus said many things in parables, and Mark's gospel goes beyond that to a bit of hyperbole, and Mark says he never said anything that wasn't in a parable. So Jesus spoke a lot in parables, and so do I. I want to start with a parable that comes from a small southern church. 
a lot like the little 16 church that I served, when there was a visiting preacher, kind of like I am today. And the visiting preacher invited one of the elders or deacons of the church, somebody who had been there a long time, an old farmer, invited him to open with a prayer. And the farmer stood up at the pulpit to pray, and he began like this. Lord, I hate buttermilk. And the visiting preacher opened his eyes and looked at him once. Then the farmer said, and Lord, I really hate lard. And the visiting preacher was about to stand up, but the old farmer went on and he said, and Lord, you know I don't care much for raw white flour, but you take all of them and you put them together and you bake them and you make the most delicious buttermilk biscuits. And Lord, you know how much I love biscuits. So whatever we are, and with all of our differences, you take us and you make into us the best biscuits in the world. And I thank you, Lord. And he went on and sat down. And the visiting preacher got up and prayed and went on with his message. So I'm hoping that this morning, each of us together, so different from all walks of life, different ages, different lifestyles, we will learn by the end of this message that God loves each and every one of us and that all of us are similar in one regard. We're all beggars hungry for the bread of life and we just want to be able to share it with the world around us. Will you pray with me? Come Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful and kindle in us the fire of your love. Send forth your spirit and we shall be recreated and you shall renew the face of the earth. O God, who by the light of the Holy Spirit did instruct the hearts of the faithful, grant that by the same Holy Spirit we may become truly wise and ever enjoy your consolations through Christ our Lord. Amen. When I was young, I used to enjoy something called Connect the Dots. Heidi mentioned I'm going to help you connect the dots because I still do that. And often when I go to a seminar or retreat or somewhere, they hand me a little name tag thing that says, my name is, I write my name, Ash, A-S-H, my nickname, and then I make little dots around the corners, the points, and then I make little numbers next to those saying one, two, three, four, five, six, and so on, so that it looks like the old connect the dots. I still do that. And people look at the, that and they look at me and they say, have you never gone out of kindergarten? And I say, I hope I haven't. I'm still learning. I'm still learning as I go. I learn new things from scripture and I help people connect the dots. And I love to connect parts of the Bible with each other and help people understand what God wants us to know. So I'm going to help you this morning by connecting some of the dots, okay? This passage that Pastor Heidi just read follows up from last week's passage on the feeding of the 5,000. In that story, you, if you were here or if you want, you can go look it up again, last week's video. And you can see that Jesus fed people with bread and they had so much to eat. They were stuffed so full. They collected baskets of leftovers. There was so much left. But even that wasn't enough to convince them that he is the Messiah, the Son of God. 
So he went on to do another miracle. He walked on water. And yes, that also got them hungry to know more about him. And so they were hounding him. They were following him everywhere he went. They went from Capernaum to the other side of the Sea of Galilee and back and forth. Do you know about Capernaum? Did you know that's where Jesus had a house? Mark's gospel tells us Jesus actually had a house there where his mother and his brothers and sister lived. Yes, I didn't know that until much later in life when I was studying Mark's gospel. Yeah, it, it's so surprising because I always focused on that one passage where Luke says that Jesus told the people, the foxes have their holes and the birds of the air have their nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head, right? He had a house in Capernaum. So they went and pounded on his door and said, hey, come on out, we want to know more. And finally he comes out and he says, you think you want to know more? You think you're hungry for the kind of bread that I served you out there on the hillside? But there's so much more bread and there's so much more meaning in that. I am the bread of life and what you're looking for, you will only find in me. So what is this that they were looking for? when they were there on the hillside and he was about to feed them. He told them some sayings that have been handed down to us. And they are the best kind of attitude that any Christian should have, the Beatitudes. Do you remember those? Blessed are the so-and-so, for they shall something, right? Pastor Heidi knows from mission trips with me there's a beatitude never to, uh, Jesus never told you, and that's one for mission trips and one for all Christians. Blessed are the flexible, for they shall bend and not be broken. But when he was there on the hillside, he said, blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Righteousness. So what is Righteousness. Someone, a wise man, once told me, think of it as right justice. Righteousness, right justice. It kind of sounds similar. Right justice. Think of that. And hunger for it. And demand it. And need, want it in your life. This past year has been such a difficult one. We've not known what has been right and wrong. Whether we should wear masks or not. I came into this church and I'm thinking, what are your policies about it? I forgot to ask Pastor Heidi. What do I do about my mask? Well, I'll put it on sometimes and I'll take it off. And if I've got it on when they want it off, I'll take it off. And if I've got it off when they want it on, I'll put it on. So I'm carrying my mask with me. But what do we do with masking? And what about safe distancing? And what about vaccinations? And how about whether being open or closed? What do we do? Such co confusion in the world for this last year and a half. This virus has got us all so confused because it's something new. For over 100 years, we haven't had a pandemic quite like this one. But 100 years ago, there was one, I'm told. It's before I was born. I know it doesn't look like it, but it was before I was born. We don't hardly remember something. There wasn't much research back then. And now there is, and we still don't know so much. So with all the confusion in the world, what are we looking for? People are confused. What are they looking for? I want to tell you that many people are hungry for Jesus, but they don't know it. They've got a God-shaped hole in their heart. This is something I tell a lot of people, and I told this to a man 
whose grandmother brought him to me because he had a severe addiction to cocaine, heroin, alcohol. She brought him to me and I said, Colin, what you're looking for, you won't find in drugs or sex and you won't find it in your life unless you turn to God. And you know what? Two years later, he came back to my church and said, Pastor Ash, can I preach? And he came and preached at our service that's outdoors in the summertime. And he said, this pastor once told me, I have a God-shaped hole in my heart and nothing will fill it but God. And he said, now I want to tell you, God has filled my hole in my heart. Colin died two years ago, but I have no doubt where he is today. He's in heaven with Jesus because he filled that hole in his heart with the bread of life, the bread that never spoils, the food that endures to eternal life, as Jesus said, which the Son of Man, the Son of God, gave him. I'm going to read for you a little further down from our reading today, down in verse 48. Jesus repeated again. He said, I am the bread of life. Your ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness, yet they died. You remember the story about manna? That was one of God's covenants. And they were told to only take what they could eat for a day because the next day it would be spoiled. And that's where our phrase in the Lord's Prayer comes from. Give us this day our daily bread, like the manna that only lasts for a day. There's one connect the dots moment for you, okay? But there are many more. Jesus is talking about bread that doesn't spoil the next day. He said, I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. This bread is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. He was prophesying his own death at that point. And even right before his death, he gathered his disciples together and broke bread with them in a Passover feast. That feast involved unleavened bread. They ate that for the Passover feast and then the next six days, unleavened bread, bread without yeast. And even though he told us we should be like yeast and expand and fill the world with God's good love. For that Passover feast, there was no yeast that night, but there was bread. And when he broke that bread, he said, this is my body, which is broken and given for you. I am just as hungry for that bread as I was when I came to know Jesus first. When I first came to know who Jesus is, and when I first came to know about Jesus, I was just a boy growing up in India, and I was more interested in many other things. I was going to a boarding school in South India. It was a boys' boarding school. And I learned that if I, played, if I learned to play two or three hymns, I could play the piano, which was on the left side, or the, I guess for you it would be the right side of the church. And the opposite side of the church was where the preacher preached from, the boys from the boys' school sat on the pulpit side, which was on the, that side of the church for us, and the girls from the girls' side sat on the side where the piano and the lectern was. So I offered to read scripture, and I offered to play the piano so I could look at the girls straight in front of me. That was my interest back then. But then, 
I was invited to attend a service at Richmond Town United Methodist Church, Richmond Town Methodist Church there in India. And I heard a man preach whose name was Reverend D.T. Niles. D.T. Niles was from the country of Sri Lanka, a small island south of India. I don't remember all that he preached. I just remember that, that service was so powerful in my life and it moved me. It moved me from knowing who Jesus is to knowing Jesus. There's a difference there. And in that service, I realized the real kind of bread that I was hungry for because D.T. Niles made a statement there and it's been attributed to many others. Martin Luther, I don't know, Johnny Cash, many people. But the statement goes like this. Evangelism is one beggar telling another beggar where to find bread. And that touched me so deeply. I realized what I was hungry for, the bread of life. And that I was going to grow up someday to share that bread with others. I did not want to be a local church pastor. I tried to run from it for many years. I think, Heidi, you tried that too. It didn't work. No, you didn't run from it? Yes, you did. Yes, you did. <laughs> We're playing over that. And, if, and uh, eventually I did come back to it, and I realized that I can still do everything else I wanted to do, but God wants me to share with others where that bread can be found. And so I share it with you today in the form of a story. You've probably heard this story in some fashion before. I heard it when I was a child. It goes like this. Once upon a time, there was a little red hen. And that red hen lived in a barnyard with a lot of other animals. And one beautiful sunny day like today, she said, today looks like a good day to bake bread. So she said, who will go with me to pluck the grain? Not I, said the horse. I'm too busy prancing in the paddock. Not I, said the duck, I'm too busy waddling in the pond. Not I, said the pig, I'm too busy. Anybody know what he was doing? Wallowing in the mud. So the little red hen said, well, then I'll just have to do it myself. And she went off to pluck the grain from the field. And she brought back a bag full of wheat and said, this wheat needs to be milled into flour. Who will go with me to the mill? Not I, said the horse, not I, said the duck, not I, said the pig. He was too busy wallowing the mud. So she said, then I'll just have to do it myself. And she did. And she came back with the flour and she said, who will help me knead this into dough? Not I, said the horse, I'm too busy prancing in the paddock. Not I, said the duck, I'm too busy paddling in the pond. Not I, said the pig, I'm too busy wallowing in the mud then I'll just have to do it myself, she said, and she did. And she put that dough into a pan and she baked it in the oven in the farmhouse. And when it was the right moment in the fullness of time, she took that bread out and brought it onto the back porch of the farmhouse. And the smell wafted out and all the animals smelled it and they came running. Along came the horse and the duck and the pig. And the little red hen said, who would like to eat this bread? 
I would, said the horse, I would, said the duck, and I would, said the pig. And do you remember what the little red hen said to them? This is what she did. The little red hen took that loaf of bread and she blessed it and she broke it. And she said to them, you didn't help me pluck the grain, mill the flour, knead the dough, or bake the bread. You are forgiven. Come and eat. Amen. I got it, Papa. I was sitting, I, I kind of got lost for a moment because I was remembering as I was remembering as Papa was talking about communion, one of the, fir the first time that I, rem I felt really called to ministry was when he did communion on a retreat. And thinking about the, and the meaning and the, the, the meaning of unconditional love, the feeling of unconditional love, and the work that the church does. And it seems, it can seem so simple and so tedious as we go from week to week, but the importance of it in our lives and lives that are transformed and how we don't see that necessarily each and every day, but in the grand scheme of things, how we can experience that. And so we come to this table and we know that it's God's table and that we are unbelievably loved by God. And I pray that we each experience that and we feel it in our hearts and we let it transform us and we let God speak to us so that we can share that with others. Because really, that's what this meal is about. It's about one beggar going to another beggar and helping one another find bread and figuring it out together. So, Papa, I invite you to pray over this beloved meal for us. Holy God, we give you thanks and praise that even when our love failed, your love remained steadfast. And you call us from all walks of life to come and be like the disciples, some who were proud and arrogant and thought they knew it all, and others who wanted the Messiah to come with power and might and thought they knew your plan. You call us to become humble before Jesus and to kneel at his feet and say, yes, Lord, I'm hungry for the bread that will last forever and give me eternal life. We thank you, O God, that you sent your son Jesus, who on the night in which he was betrayed took bread, and when he had blessed and given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you. 
Eat this in remembrance of me. And after the supper was over, he took the last cup of the meal. And when he had blessed it and given thanks, he gave it to his disciples and said, Take and drink from this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Drink this in remembrance of me. Pour out your Holy Spirit upon each of us gathered here this day. Bless us and make us whole again. And remind us that we eat from the bread of life and we will never be hungry for righteousness, for your righteousness. Fill us with your Holy Spirit so that we can go forth into a broken world and share with them where to find bread, the bread of life, so that the world may be whole again. Father, we love you and pray all of this in the name of your Son, Jesus, who taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. The bread which we break is a sharing in the body of Christ, his whole person. And the cup which we bless is a sharing in the blood of Christ, his gift of life for the world. Oh Lord, we thank you for this sacred meal. We thank you for your grace and your love that makes us whole. May it fill us. May we be renewed by your love. So we go into the world and transform the world in your name through your spirit. We pray these things in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Now as we prepare for a time of corporate prayer, praying with and for one another, I invite you to share your joys and concerns online, on, on YouTube, um, or if you would like, um, if you haven't done so already here, to share on a blue prayer card and know um, that we are praying with and for one another. And um, let us stand as you are able and let us sing our next song.
You may be seated. Kathy asked for prayers for her sister Mary um, and her mental state and also for her caretaker, George. And I want to ask for prayers for, I know there's um, several people who in the church who are um, struggling in different ways, whether it's um, physically or emotionally, especially as we are coming out of this pandemic and continuing to come out and what that means. Um, and, and just recognizing how this past year has impacted us. And also praying for those who are getting ready to head back to college and or heading to college for the first time or teachers and students preparing um, to go back to school. And also um, I do want to give a big shout out to Skip Smith whose 90th birthday is today. So happy birthday to him. And also I want to fully recognize the adorableness of my husband carrying a baby that is not mine. Just want that, but he's sleeping, so let's be quiet. We know that God hears our prayers, whether we say them out loud, we say them in our hearts, or we just open our minds and don't say anything at all. So let us go to our Lord in prayer. Loving God, you are our creator and our sustainer. When you open your hand, you satisfy those who hunger and thirst. And Lord, we all hunger and thirst. We look to you whenever we are in need and we trust in your love and in your abundant goodness. God, we pray for those who are physically hungry those who are empty emotionally, and those who are spiritually hungry. And God, we also praise you for the gifts that you fill our lives with. We are grateful for the sound of children playing outside, of getting to know one another and getting to know you better, Lord. God, I give you thanks for this community and the way that we come together to support and encourage one another. I thank you for birthdays, for graduations, for new adventures in life. God, pour out your spirit on us. Fill us with your compassion and your love so that we will willingly share some of our abundance with those who have need. And God, we pray all of these things in the name of Jesus, who came so that all of humanity might know of the abundant life that comes from you. We pray these things in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Now I want to invite Reverend Ash to come up and give our benediction for this morning. There is one final word that I include at the end of each service in every congregation that I've served, and I will let you in on the response part of it. Let me share with you that the word shalom means much more than just peace. It means serenity, it means wholeness, wholeness. So in context of wholeness, I 
end my benediction by saying the words, go in peace. And your response will be, and not in pieces. Okay, you got that? I'll say go in peace, you say not in pieces. As you make your way into the world, oh, shall we stand? Well, we oh. can stand, but okay. I also want to recognize I say this every Sunday. Oh, do you? Yes. I don't know where I that, got it from. That part of the live stream, <laughs> that part of the live stream cut out long before I got to the end of the service. I was watching last week's service and that part of the live stream cut out. So anyway, so you know the answer already. That's why people were laughing at me in the first service. They, oh, I already know that one. Okay, so I invite you to stand and receive the benediction, the good word. As you make your way into the world, remember that we're all just beggars seeking God's righteousness but we seek the kind that will last not only in this lifetime, but in the one to come. And as we make our way in the world, may you share that righteousness with others along the way. All are invited into God's kingdom. All are forgiven. All are loved. So go in peace and not in pieces. Amen.
Huh? Yes. Good. Thank you, Megan. Are you heading back to CCC? Yeah, I'm, I'm actually just two days off. I'm going back on Tuesday, so I'll miss all the return to CCC trips. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. Well, be safe. Hey. Yeah, good to have you. I got your email, so yeah. Good trip back.